98K News. It's one o'clock, I'm Aaron Tam. The headlines. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says the audio leak where she said she caused unforgivable havoc in 2019 shows the integrity and morality of the media. Mrs. Lam also said police were treated unfairly in the wake of the social unrest two years ago. And the United States has criticized Beijing for its reluctance to let the World Health Organization look at its laboratories to find the source of the coronavirus. Chief Executive Carrie Lam has said the audio of her comments saying she caused unforgivable havoc with her handling of the 2019 anti-extradition law should not have been leaked. The comments were made at a closed-door meeting with business people two years ago. Speaking on RTHK's Backchat program, she told hosts Hugh Shiverton and Karen Coe that the leak showed the integrity and morality of the media. By the way, that was a closed-door meeting. I'm not saying that a closed-door well, meeting means that I'm lies. <laughs> it was but a that showed that the, the integrity and the morality of some of the media. Huh? Okay. So well, it, wasn't, we, it was <laughs> given to the media by I'm someone sorry, who was the there. The you know, it wasn't to. really... Not a, not the, media, the media should not have reported somebody something that was given in that fashion. Why not? Yeah, you're a person of public interest. Why not? You know, this is, this is about transparency. Oh, okay, now I have yeah. a better understanding of how the media works. Okay. Where I mean, if, we, if, we, if, an, if we're, we're given, given something we're given and it's the chief executive, it's the chief executive. Well, it is material. a voice recording. As as I know, it's not illegal. It's quite there was no laws obvious. broken, as far as I okay, know. Okay, so yeah. perhaps a law needs to be introduced <laughs> on well, that I mean, basis. During the hour-long interview, Mrs. Lam defended her administration's handling of the controversial extradition bill, saying it had been a fault on the PR side. She also said police were unfairly treated in the wake of the social unrest in 2019. Co-host Karen Ko asked Mrs. Lam whether this was because police were being used to respond to a political problem. It's a security problem. People are flowing petrol bombs. People are attacking ordinary people, setting fire on people who held a different opinion, flowing a brick at an old man and killed him. These are security, highly risky and they, they behaviors that require a law they enforcement. Have a now, come on, you are very, you are treading on very difficult, very, very dangerous lines. For people who are unhappy, dissatisfied with the environment they're living in, with the government of the day, that could not justify violence. That could not justify bridging the law and killing people. Mrs. Lam again defended the national security law, saying Hong Kong was booming after its implementation and with the support of the mainland. Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong has defended the police's use of an archaic law to make arrests, describing the crimes ordinance as the national security law before the handover. His comments come a day after the force arrested five members of a union over three children's books featuring sheep that are suspected of inciting hatred towards the government. Timmy Sung reports. Speaking on commercial radio, the senior counsel disagreed with a legal academic who has said most of the offences probably can't pass the proportionality test under human rights law. However, Mr. Tong stressed, while the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights protects freedom of expression, it is subject to restrictions when it comes to protecting national security, public order, morals and rights and freedoms of others. He added no society will tolerate people publishing seditious books to poison children. 
The polling hours for the upcoming election committee subsector election will be shortened to nine hours from 15 due to a sharp drop in the numbers of eligible voters. Around 8,000 people are eligible to vote in the poll after Beijing overhauled the SAR's election system compared to 250,000 in 2016. Barnabas Fung is the chairman of the Electoral Affairs Commission. This is a practical arrangement in view of the fact that there will be only about 8,000 voters in total. So that um, also we have taken the advice of LegCo, and it is only um, clean enough that, you know, 15 hours would be too much, and hence um, not an efficient use of public resources, so that we reduced the polling hours for the uh, smaller electorate. Police say they have crushed the first drug trafficking syndicate that relies on self-storage facilities and couriers to store and transport drugs. The force said it had seized drugs worth more than $70 million and arrested four men aged between 19 and 29. It said that they had rented multiple self-storage spaces and instructed delivery men from logistics companies to send drugs to their customers to to reduce their risk of being arrested. Three of them will be charged with drug trafficking offences. President Xi Jinping has made a rare visit to the politically sensitive region of Tibet. He started his two-day trip on Wednesday, but state media didn't report it until now. It was the first trip. It was first such visit by the nation's top leader in more than three decades. The last Chinese president to visit was Jiang Zemin in 1990. The United States has criticized China over its reluctance to let the World Health Organization audit some of its laboratories as part of an investigation into the origins of COVID-19. The White House Press Secretary is Jen Psaki. We're deeply disappointed. Their position is irresponsible and, frankly, dangerous. Alongside other member states around the world, we continue to call for China to provide the needed access to data and samples. Beijing has strongly rejected the theory that the virus may have leaked from a laboratory in the country. The BBC's David Willis has more details. President Biden revealed that uh, U.S. intelligence officials were pursuing a number of different leads and theories, among them the possibility that the virus could have resulted from a laboratory accident in China. Officials from the World Health Organization were only able to get access to the Wuhan area in January of this year, more than a year after the first cases of the virus came to light, and now Beijing has flatly rejected a request from the WHO for its investigators to be allowed to inspect the laboratories and the research institutes in Wuhan. President Biden has described new U.S. sanctions against the Cuban defense minister and a special forces unit in the interior ministry as just the beginning. The move followed a crackdown earlier this month on anti-government protests in Cuba. The BBC's Barbara Plett Usher reports from Washington. Administration officials said President Biden had made clear that addressing this moment of political unrest in Cuba was a priority. The U.S. sanctioned Cuba's Minister of the Revolutionary Armed Forces, Alvaro Lopez Miera, and the Interior Ministry Special Brigade, blocking all assets in the U.S. and transactions with Americans. Both, it said, were involved in violently repressing peaceful protests on the island. It's not clear what impact the move will have since the brigade had already been sanctioned by the Trump administration. But the president said this was just the beginning of U.S. efforts to hold the Cuban regime responsible for violating human rights. 
People who work in the food industry in Britain will be allowed to do daily COVID tests rather than self-isolate from Friday. The decision comes as at supermarket depots report severe staff shortages after thousands of workers were told to stay at home by a government test and trace app. Britain's Environment Secretary is George Eustace. Somebody who is contacted in future by test and trace will be able to have daily contact testing uh, for seven days and able to carry on working provided their test remains negative. There will be probably, um, you know, close to sort of 10,000, possibly more staff that are working in these types of environments. The government says the move will also apply to other key sectors such as transport, emergency services, water, energy and border control. Italy is introducing a mandatory vaccination certificate which will allow people to access a range of venues. It's the latest country to, do, to announce such a scheme. But after disagreements with the government, governing coalition, the pass won't be needed for transport. The BBC's Mark Lowen is in Rome. The first country in the West to be crushed by coronavirus is beginning to see a fourth surge, with cases rising to a two-month high, driven by the Delta variant. And so from early August, the government is tightening requirements to sit inside restaurants and cafes and to enter cinemas, theatres, museums and sports and recreation venues. All those over the age of 12 who don't have a medical reason not to have been vaccinated will have to show proof of at least one dose or a coronavirus test or evidence that they've recovered from the virus. New Zealand has suspended its quarantine-free travel bubble with Australia for at least eight weeks. The bubble opened to great fanfare in April, after both countries appeared to have controlled the pandemic. However, the arrival of the Delta variant in Australia has led New Zealand to act. Prosecutors in Hungary say they've opened an investigation into unlawful surveillance after receiving the complaints that the Pegasus spyware was being used in the country. The Hungarian government is, among many around the world, accused of misusing Pegasus, sold by the Israeli firm NSO. The BBC's Tom Bateman is in Jerusalem. NSO's Pegasus is among the most powerful spyware governments can buy. It's meant to track terrorist suspects or organized crime groups. But allegations have mounted about its alleged misuse by countries with poor human rights records in what is amounting to a crisis for the Israeli firm that makes and sells the software. NSO has rejected the reporting as full of wrong assumptions and uncorroborated theories currencies. The US dollar is trading at 110.23 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 17 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 19 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 27,440, 279 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $69 billion. We're about six hours away from the opening ceremony of the Tokyo Olympics. The event is overshadowed by the sacking of the opening ceremony's director, Kentaro Kobayashi. Footage of the comedian from 1990s recently emerged, in which he appears to be making jokes about the Holocaust. Japan's Olympic chief Seiko Hashimoto confirmed on Thursday that Kobayashi has been dismissed. With COVID-19 continuing to loom over the games, tonight's opening ceremony has been scaled down to comply with health and safety guidelines. Here's a preview from the BBC's Ed Harry. We won't have the mass choreography that's characterised recent ceremonies from Beijing through London to Rio. 
we won't have that volume of dancers and actors. We won't have elaborate light shows. We won't have the big props and set pieces. Nothing as grandiose as that. Scaled down is a phrase that's been used. Sobering is another phrase that has been used. But nevertheless, this ceremony will portray Japan and Japanese culture. But it's going to do so in a largely empty stadium. The only people there to watch it will be the members of the media, some VIPs and a few officials as well. There still will be an athlete's parade, but with fewer participants. A few reasons for that. Those who march in the parade have to be socially distanced, and there are just fewer sports people here at the moment. Some are flying in just for their event. I was on a Team USA track and field press conference called all of those athletes. They won't be leaving the US until Saturday, so they couldn't have attended the opening ceremony anyway. Hong Kong rower Winnie Hung in her first Olympics failed to qualify in Heat 3 of the Single Skulls event, finishing fourth. She spoke ahead of the competition. My biggest worry is the being the last of the game, but I will try my best to do it well. And I've been a full-time athlete for only four years, so lack of experience. I need to get more experience and train more. Australia and New Zealand have pulled out of the Rugby League World Cup because of player welfare and safety concern related to the coronavirus pandemic. The men's, and men's, women's and wheelchair events were scheduled to take place in England starting in late October. The BBC's Dave Woods has more details. The organisers of the Rugby League World Cup, who were given only four minutes' notice at this morning's announcement from Australia, now have a big decision to take. Push on with this year's tournament without Australia and New Zealand or postpone till next year. To hold the tournament without two of the international game's major powers would have a huge impact on its credibility. But to put it off till next year would lead to huge costs and possibly intangible organisational problems. A third option is to cancel altogether. Veteran NHL defenseman Mark Giordano is expected to be captain of ice hockey's newest team. The Seattle Kraken picked up the longtime Calgary Flames skipper in the expansion draft. Giordano, a four-time All-Star, has spent his entire 15-year NHL career with Calgary. Forward Yanni Gord from the Stanley Cup champions Tampa Bay Lightning has also been snatched by the expansion side. The Kraken are the first Seattle team to compete in the NHL since the Metropolitans disbanded in 1924. And the weather. Today will be mainly fine and very hot with haze during the day. The maximum temperature will be around 34 degrees. Right now it's 33 degrees with a relative humidity of 68%. To end the news, the top stories once again. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says the audio leak where she said she caused unforgivable havoc in 2019 shows the integrity and morality of the media. Mrs. Lam also said police were treated unfairly in the wake of the social unrest two years ago. And the United States has criticized Beijing for its reluctance to let the World Health Organization look at its laboratories to find the source of the coronavirus. The news from RTHK.
Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Friday afternoon. Many thanks once again to Phil for the morning brew today. We have a busy program for you. To start off with, we're going to start the show with a bit of sports. And this week's Olympic spotlight, Sissy Radford shines a light on Thomas Heffernan Ho, who is the first equestrian rider to represent Hong Kong in eventing at the Olympic Games. Sissy also in, uh, visited Sh- the Sha Tin race course and met Amanda Bond, who's head of equestrian affairs at the Hong Kong Jockey Club. So we'll be hearing from them in about 10 minutes or so. And after the two o'clock news, we'll be chatting with Dana Winograd from Plastic Free Seas about their six-week social media campaign against the use of disposable cups for hot drinks in coffee shops. And after the 2.30 news, uh, with the annual summer animation comic game Hong Kong convention happening right now, the interns, our interns, our Radio 3 interns, Dorothy Cam and also Samuel Lee, learn more about the people who practice the hobby and the art of cosplaying. And of course, we want to hear from you as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, do so. You can email us. Our email address is 123show at rthk.hk. That's 123show at rthk.hk. You can also find us on Facebook, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. Twenty minutes past one o'clock. My name is Noreen Mayer. I'll be right here.